Good afternoon, Chris. Hello. Good to see you again, Chris, man. Uh, what is going on in this crazy world? <laughs> How are you? <laughs> oh, well, we're getting by, aren't we? We're getting by. How about yeah, you? Man. Not too bad, yeah. Just carrying on, tickling away. Chris Jeffries, <laughs> host of the Homeless Romantic podcast found on YouTube and Spotify. And I've seen a lot of your reels. We've actually done one before, actually. And uh, you're growing quite well, man. You've got some, a fair few thousand followers now, and uh, it's good to see. How's yeah. it going? Slow, slow and steady, you know. Uh, mm. Especially when you're trying to talk about veganism. Uh, it's a tough crowd. You know, a lot of vegans come through and they 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 participate with you and they, they're there for you. But there's so much other vegan content and the rest of the people are just sort of unbearably mean and, you know, mean spirited. So we know why we know why <laughs> I, we were just, like, I'm not too we were, good on the politics front. So a lot of your stuff I don't quite understand. But when I do see a veganism related one. I definitely yeah. watch it and I definitely read all the comments. I think I've chipped in with a few little comments lately as well. It's always good to see. Yeah. It's always good to yeah. see. But uh, I think the latest one was uh, someone saying that you don't eat enough for some reason. I don't know how we know. Oh, what right. We eat. Uh, and I think I commented saying, uh, no, you said that, you know, you um, you eat plenty. And I said, you definitely, definitely uh, don't eat enough until Bill Gates has got you under the wing and he's forcing... <laughs> Beyond burgers down your throat. <laughs> well, the comment was, uh, oh, you eat the bugs and stuff. I'm like, yeah, bugs aren't really vegan. You're still eating like another little creature and stuff. That We don't eat bugs. Yeah, where, where's this bug thing come from? Um, I actually <laughs> had a comment a few days ago, and I've just pinned it to the top of one of my um, big food platter photos. And it was, I love how terminally online... Protein-starved bug people can't stop chirping. You are what you eat, I guess. Um, so number one, since when have, have bugs chirped? I thought that's what birds do. And secondly, uh, I don't eat bugs, <laughs> so I can't be a bug. <laughs> um, yeah, ignorance in the highest form. It's crazy, isn't it? What what yeah. attacks have you had lately? Have you had a, have you been under any scrutiny for your choice of? Diet. Or? Funny you should. Funny you should ask. Yes, it's a constant barrage of interesting arguments from people. So, I'll give you the latest example. Somebody on Imager, which I post some of my stuff on Imager and so on. Um, the argument was, it's between anti-capitalists and and vegans. Okay, so there's a lot of people that are anti-capitalism because it's exploit exploitative, right? Capitalism at its form, Amazon and, and these big corporations that sort of um, disenfranchise people and exploit workers and, and make it so, um, you know, we, we, we do deforestation and we have environmental degradation thanks to an economic system that needs constant growth. Under capitalism, we need to keep growing, keep growing. We need to keep cutting down trees. We have to put a dollar sign on every cow and every pig and every tree and everything like that. And so that when it gets killed, that we can justify it economically. Well, there's a lot of young people, God bless them, who say, well, that's wrong. Ethically, capitalism is wrong. We shouldn't be doing that because because um, it's inconveniencing me and I have to work at McDonald's and I hate it and it's, you know, and everybody else. And they're right in that sense that it is exploitative, it is bad for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. But as soon as you tell them 
you should go vegan if you really hate capitalism, then the excuses come flying out. Well, you know, we're, we're designed to eat meat and there, there is no correlation between the suffering of humans and the suffering of animals. Um, and I just sort of chased them around in circles about um, their logic there. And the, the guy ended up saying something like, well, vegan, uh, eating meat must be okay because society, 99%, you know, vegans make up 1% of the population. Uh, the rest are 99%. So that must mean that society has deemed it ethical, so it must be ethical. And I said, well, slavery used to be widely accepted, you know. So... It's these t- type of circular arguments that just keep coming around and coming around. And also, as we all know, well, humans are carnivores. No, humans are omnivores. And they say, well, you know, monkeys are, you're, you're, you're the, our descendants, we're descended from bonobos and chimps and stuff like this. They're, they eat mostly plants and they have, Similar looking teeth, but the whole teeth thing, you know, I'm sure you've heard this. Oh, but the teeth, we have teeth. We have a, a few sharp teeth. It's not true. And, and frankly, bonobos, chimps, they're 99% plant-based. So also, again, bad argument. And so it's this constant barrage of bad arguments and, and everything. But at the heart of it, right, is this um, triggered sort of uh, feeling like, we were talking about this before. The type of reactions that we vegans get from these people, it's really indicative of people who feel bad. They feel bad. They feel guilty and they feel obligated to care. And you say, well, you can't pick your injustices in this world. And I am mm-hmm. involved in all kinds of activist communities. We're talking about the rights of Palestinians or the rights of African Americans or the rights of uh, women or the rights of animals and stuff like this. It's all encompassing. It's mm-hmm. all the same thing. And, and to equivocate on that and say, well, no, you know, I'm for freedom for women, but, you know, Arabs, well, them, because I don't care. That is typical, short-sighted, human-centered thinking. And I find that vegans, the people that are vegan, are the most likely to also, if you can empathize with animals, something that's so far from a human, that they're also more likely to be hip to women's rights, you know, rights for black people, rights rights for everybody else. Um, So you can't have one unjust, pick and choose your injustices. And I, I told this to this person, I said, for every trans person out there, that hates Christians, or for every uh, African American who is, you know, misogynistic, or every Palestinian that's homophobic, and every anti-capitalist that eats meat, we lose all credibility when we start uh, talking about ethics. You know? Yeah. And it's that's interesting sort of when you I'm said at. about when they say, "Oh, you know, I've always done this, and this is the way it is." I caught someone out the other day and I said, well, let's fast forward to 2090 and let's just pretend that 60% of the world is vegan or let's just say of the West, you know, the developed world, 60% and 40% are meat eaters. What would you say then? So would you say that, you know, this is the way that we've, we've you know, this is the way it is. That we've, the majority of the world, what is it, 98% at the minute, 97%. Is uh, uh, eat this way, and we accept it as being the 
the ethical the ethical way. If you say, okay, then okay, if the majority were in 2090, what which side would you be on then? And then when they say, oh, I'd still be on this side because this is you know this is been happening for thousands of years. Will you say, well, okay, let's rewind to 1971, and I said women's football was illegal until 1971. If you were around in 1970, <laughs> would you think that women's football should be banned? Uh, okay, then, yes or no, whatever the answer is. Well, what about in 1971 when they unbanned women's football? So how do you know that right now is the right, the right time? How do you know it's the pinnacle? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that's what, when it gets ah okay. That's when it's like ah oh, maybe it's not right. You know what I mean? That's that's a way to kind of unpick that one. Yeah, and and, and that's a good example. I, I I didn't know that about uh, women's football, but there are tons of examples like this, like um, uh, progressive ideas, like the idea that we we move forward in society when we when we discover that there's a problem. Like when there was DDT, we invented DDT and asbestos and all these uh, lead, you know, we started putting lead in paint and stuff. And we thought, oh, well, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. Um, and everybody accepted it and corporations pushed it. And then pretty soon lead was on the in all the houses and all the water pipes. Asbestos was in all the uh, stuff. And then we had to scramble and say, oh, darn, it turns out this stuff is terribly, terribly toxic. Uh, we need to like re- rethink it. So this is where it, things become a little bit murky. Because look, there are things that we've done for millions of years. Like, let's say, live in a, have a family. Like this is something that's existed for millions of years and there's not anything inherently wrong with it. And it can continue to happen into the future. That's fine. And we can say... That's how we did it in the past, and so we should always do it that way. But there's other things like slavery or um, violence, you know, walking around half naked in a loincloth, beating people over the head with clubs. Uh, we want to move past that to some degree. And even the, the arguments that say Eskimos and stuff and indigenous people have the right to kill beluga whales. I disagree. I don't think just because something is a cultural value or just because I'm white and I should have some kind of empathy for indigenous people, which I do, and I understand that, it doesn't mean, it doesn't change the statistics and the science that say we've lost 70% of our, or 70% or more of our wildlife since the year 1900. Now, when you get faced with those sort of existential um, new bits of information, then that's when you're supposed to change the culture, change the way you do things and start saying, well, I understand that these were the customs and cultures uh, of the before but it seems like it seems like it's unfair and it seems like it's hurting us so why don't we just change that now i don't have any problem with that in fact i would be willing and and happy to uh to have that change for those people now what 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 are eskimos and inuits going to eat i don't really know i don't have a, a solid answer for regional cuisine for people who live in that area i don't have an answer for that but i do know that killing beluga whales when their numbers are already declining is a, it's just not where we need to be right now and the, and and Never before in the course of human history has humans have to face an existential crisis that they might go extinct from their own actions. We've never had to. And considering that, this is why there's so much push and pull, so much fighting, so much conflict right now is because we're faced with that and we need to either make a big decision and change 
or we're just going to devolve into uh, sort of madness and sort of conflict and yeah tragedy and and stuff like that you know you would you would think that you know if if you gave someone 10 reasons to go vegan your health can be better if you do it right you know it's gonna your health is going to improve you're gonna have less inflammation no no i like my meat okay um pigs are not going to get gassed oh no i don't care about pigs um cows are not going to get fisted no i don't care about cows um okay what about oh what about the environment what about the the place where you live it's still not enough nah i I just just love cheese man do you know what i mean yeah well surely that big one at the end is just gonna go okay maybe you've got a point do you know what i mean maybe i don't give a fuck about animals but maybe i'll just stop because of the uh environmental issue that we face but it's uh it's just yeah it's just not enough is it I, just, I think it's insane that people, and this is why I have no faith in humanity, is because that is the length and the and the width of the ability to logically think about things like that, where you have to, the last thing I do is tell people, well, the cows will suffer. I, I never use that argument because I know for a fact that the average human being doesn't give a flying rat's behind about anyone but themselves. I usually go with the health thing because there's tons of evidence to say it's good for you. Everybody who listens to your podcast knows that. Uh, There's more science every day that says better metabolic outcomes on vegan diets. Um, It is impossible to get through to those people. What needs to happen is that cultural shift. It's, it's the same as like if heroin was legal and widely accepted and culturally uh, accepted as a thing that everybody does and heroin was available on every corner nobody would question it. They'd say, yeah, people die, people are in pain, people are nodding off at bus stations and killing people while nodding off driving. Yeah, but it's what we do. You know, it's similar to alcohol in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that's really the only barrier that we face is not having the majority on our side to help push all the sycophantic people, all the people who just go with the flow of modern society. The, this is... The vegan's greatest enemy is the people that just go with the flow. And that's the moral majority. The moral majority of people go with the flow. Whatever time they live in, they say, well, this is what we do and this is okay um, and I don't want to change. And the other, the other crux is vegan uh, uh, meat, I'm sorry, meat eaters, they're eating for pleasure instead of eating for any other reason, right? They don't eat... They think they eat for health, but if they really ate for health, they would do more research and realize that vegan diets have better metabolic outcomes. So the reality is that they're eating for pleasure, and if you try to take something away from somebody where they get pleasure from, then you are just enemy number one. Yeah. Do you think without food addiction and the big problem of like the last 50 years, the big pandemic of food addiction and fast food especially, if that addiction didn't exist, do you think it would be a problem as as big of, as a problem or do you think the people that's, just you, that's a great question that's a great mm-hmm. question because we first of all the 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 availability of this stuff and it goes back to capitalism right the free market says mcdonald's can sell whatever they want because that's the rules of the free market they can sell junk food and they can mislead people with advertising and get them to eat really horrible food but on the other side of it meat has been subsidized by the government. If it wasn't subsidized by the government, it would be too expensive for the average person to buy. And that's another huge 
reason why uh, uh, the vegan revolution has trouble getting its foothold is because meat has been subsidized by the government to be cheaper than you know the other alternatives, which beans, let's be honest here, all my vegan brethren and sisters out there, beans are revolutionary. Beans are magic. Beans fix nitrogen in the soil. Beans stay good forever in a dry form. Beans have fiber. Fien, beans have no saturated fat. Uh, uh, what is it? 90... Shit. Sorry, I cussed. Um, 90% or more something like 93% of all the soy that's grown in the world is for livestock food. If you cut out the middleman, which is the animals that are eating it, you would have enough soy, tofu, tempeh, etc., to feed feed the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the fast food revolution and the subsidizing of meat and and allowing the free market to just put a McDonald's on every corner, et cetera, et cetera, has... Yeah, has has helped, or not helped, but made it worse for getting our vegan revolution uh, where it needs to be. Um, but I do have hope. You well, know, I do have hope. I've listened to Rich Roll podcast, and I think it was, I could be wrong, but I think it was Dr. Berg who came on. And he said, just what you've just said, he said the US government, by law, promotes, it's, it's some law that came out, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, I think he was on about, that promotes products regardless of their health value. Um, and it's by law that they have to promote these animal products. Um, and they, you know, they pour it into their own research studies. And the government actually worked, this is obviously in America, I'm guessing, um, they worked with Wendy's to market their cheeseburgers. And Subway didn't have cheese on two of their sandwiches. And Subway, Subway added cheese to these sandwiches, even though they didn't want to or they didn't need to, just to align with the contract that the government put out to push cheese. And I don't know how true that is, but I'm sure that if Dr. Berg's saying it on a ritual podcast, there's some legs to it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, it, and the same went with Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. They were promoting cheese, and uh, apparently this is all discoverable through the Freedom of Information Act. Um, okay. Okay. So, no, I mean this I is mean, in the realm uh, in the realm of believability because of exactly what we already know yeah. about the meat industry. It's you know its connections, its power. The lobbying of me, the meat industry is insane, and they found that a hundred percent of big meat uh, companies lobby to get the um, the the laws that they want in place, the regulations they want in place. When the IPCC came out with their climate thing, the the meat industry fought tooth and nail to try to keep out all of the, uh, you know, information that would have looked badly on the meat, saying animal agriculture is responsible for 20 to 25% of, uh, you know, emissions and <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera, methane, CO2. Um, they lobbied and fought against that. Not because it was untrue, but because it would have hurt their business. Now, when your society is operated like this, you have no choice but to look deep into the heart of humanity and say, oh, my God, there is something badly, badly wrong with the system, and there's something badly, badly wrong with uh, a lot of people out there to allow that to happen. Mm. Um, so, no, that's totally within the realm, realm of believability. It's also like the uh, food. Growing up, we had the food pyramid and what was considered... Uh, 
acceptable as far as, oh, you need this much meat and this much meat. All this was decided by for-profit food companies. You know, they get together and they have a, a, a think tank, well, the citizens for healthy food eating or whatever, some bullshit. Sorry, bull crap. Uh, you That's know, <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. Fuck. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, it's a uh, the way that they interject themselves and put profits and over public safety and and people. They do it all the time. There was also the thing with sugar at the top of the pyramid. It said, "Oh, well, you could have this much sugar a day." Blah blah blah. Uh, sugar's not. Not good for you in almost any amount. It's toxic, you know. You can digest it and you can get over it, and blah, blah, blah. but it's just, it's not good. Like, I like alcohol too, but I know that it's bad for me, right? And I don't believe the, the studies that come out and say, oh, a glass of wine a, a day is good for a- antioxidants. Maybe the, the grape juice is maybe so. But there's also lots of studies that say it breaks down your DNA. So the problem is, the lobbying on behalf of these companies that skew the truth and actually make it so movements that we're trying to create here, which is based on compassion, sustainability, and better health, we can't get a foothold because they might lose profits. And this, you know, I, and it always, for me, it always comes back to capitalism. And I hate to do it to all my, the listeners. I know you're a business owner. I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about the big, the big ones, the big ones who have so much money um, that you, you can't get a word in edgewise. And I'll be honest, if you live in a society that has billionaires and, they have, and money is considered influence and you can buy influence, you can buy billboards, you can take out ads in the newspaper. If Jeff Bezos can have all that money and have all that influence, then you cannot say that you live in a democracy. You cannot say that everybody is collectively deciding which direction your country is going. Mm. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. How, how can people have the nerve to even mention the words vegan propaganda in the same sentence? Because this is another. <laughs> this is another one that I've spoke about a couple of times, and I'm sick. I love of, that. I'm sick. Like I've I've even spoke to anti-vegans, and I've said we'll come back on an episode and just talk about that. But they won't. I got, <laughs> like I got they kicked want out. To leave it true. If I was them, I would want that to be true as well. But right. talk about that, man. Like what, how the hell is veganism being pushed by the elites? It's just... We, yeah. So that's the other thing is the WEF and, and Klaus Schwab wants you to eat bugs and, and et cetera, et cetera, like that. But behind that, when you see slaughterhouse footage... It just doesn't matter what Klaus Schwab wants. It doesn't matter what Bill yeah, Gates wants. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, if you see a, a cow that wants to live and he's fidgeting in this little box and he can't get out and he's just about to get a, a, a you know, spike in the head and he's going to be put down and you can tell that this cow is nervous. He's crying. He wants to live. He has a family. He plays. He grieves. He's a living, sentient being. When you see him suffering... What that's vegan propaganda? No, that's reality. That's reality. And the tofu factory, guess what? They don't have ag gag laws in tofu factories. You can go into a tofu factory and film because because they know that the public won't be outraged by what they see. The reason why they have ag gag laws is because if the majority of the people were subjected to what happens in a slaughterhouse, that company would go fucking bankrupt. Mm. 
you know, and people would go vegan in droves. And eventually somebody, you know, and I, you know, I just got thrown up. There's a subreddit on Reddit. It's called anti-vegan. And I, I meandered on over there. Oh. And I took a look at what they called us. Vegan propaganda. Veganism is a religion. It's a cult. Um, you know, eating dead animal carcasses is a cult. When, when you go home for the holidays and you say tofu is gross and yet you're, you know, tearing the guts out of an asshole of a turkey and stuffing it with uh, wet bread and you think we're weird. Uh, yeah. It really just uh, boggles the mind. And then on the other, the flip side, they say, they'll say, vegans are weak. Vegans are tired. Vegans are and then when you get mad and you're energetic and you say, you're challenging them, they say, oh, well, vegans are always angry. You'd be angry too if you had a spine and you saw what we saw and you went vegan and you finally, like I went vegan and I said, this was the easiest thing I ever done. I quit smoking. That was way harder. Uh, once you realize how easy it was to go vegan, how stupid you felt for ever fighting it or ever doubting it. Um, uh, I just have no faith in humanity anymore because of how weak and petty and argumentative and confrontational, uh, people are, especially when their values are challenged, you know. Talking about the cult and the religion, I spoke to a Muslim a few weeks ago on the topic of halal slaughter. And after going through all the rigmarole of how ridiculous the belief, um, I mean, the belief is actually a good one. The belief is uh, we don't want animals to suffer. The ridiculous part is the animals do suffer and it stands with halal. So it's kind of like we half agree, but you don't follow through with what you believe in. Um, And basically at the end of it, he said, um, you know, veganism is, is, is a, it's a religion. And I said, we've just gone through all the hypocrisies of these actions and these beliefs in a religion. How can you sit there and say that veganism is a religion? Uh, I read a quote, actually, and it said, no, sorry, I read a quote, and I kind of put it into my own words, and it was, religion is choosing to believe in something you can't see, and veganism is choosing not to believe in something that you can see. It's That's it. That's it's, it. It's I, was, and, and, and I, I saw that, yeah. yeah. I saw that, and I agree. I, I was trying to think of that the response to saying uh, it's a religion because it doesn't fit the standard definition of religion. It just doesn't. Nah, but, <laughs> that's uh, another good point. <laughs> but the ethical slaughter thing is a tough one. Uh, people like to think that ethical slaughter, and I, I just told somebody, it's an oxymoron. When you say ethical slaughter, it makes no sense. It has no meaning. It's like mm-hmm. ethical rape or ethical burglary or ethical, you know. I mean, I suppose mm-hmm. there could be some ethical burglaries if you, you know, if you're robbing the right person, but ethical rape, ethical murder, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. No. Unconsenting it, murder. No. And they base that term on whether or not the victim tastes good, because if it didn't taste good, it wouldn't be ethical, which again is another—it's another thing that blows my mind. Is you know, if if the taste was five out of ten instead of ten out of ten, what would it be then? Um, if we fly to Cambodia and do it to a dog, is it the same then? And yeah. this this problem just keeps popping up of, of all these inconsistencies, don't it? And um, yeah, I don't understand how what? doing it to one species is 
different to do to another species. It's just it's just crazy, isn't right. it? So. And I re- and I, re- I actually respect the people who say, yeah, I eat pigs, I eat cows, and I say, well, what if you would go to Cambodia and eat a dog? They say, well, I'd do that too. It's like, okay, well, that's. That's at least fair. Okay, at least you're consistent with your thing. But yeah. most people go, you know, in in the United States, uh, we don't eat horses, and it's illegal to put horse meat in dog food. You know, it's just out of the cultural norm to, if you say, oh, I'm eating horse, people go, oh, that's gross, that's crazy. But then they go and eat a cow. In Europe, however, in places like Germany, where I live now, uh, horse meat is in dog food. You can go to the store and get a can of horse meat dog food. And the first really? time I saw that, I was totally disgusted. I thought, what kind of backwards ass shit is this? Um, wow. But the truth, <laughs> but, the, but the truth is there's no consistency with this, uh, what do you call it, the speciesist nature of meat eating. Most people mm. like to pick and choose which animals are cute enough to eat and which ones aren't. And I'll tell you guys, it's completely arbitrary. The, the, the distinctions that you've made between the animals you eat is made up. You made it up. Somebody made it up, and it became mm-hmm. accepted. Um, and, you know, there was a time in human history where meat maybe was uh, necessary for human survival and people needed to eat. There wasn't anything available, and it was between starving to death and eating the family pig. Just Fine. like cannibalism. Right. But we live in the modern day where we have choices. We have, uh, when we go to the grocery store, we have the ability to choose. And, and saying that eating meat is natural, which is something I heard this week. Eating meat, completely natural. 99% of the meat in the United States is factory farm, living in dark places, uh, never seeing the sunlight, being fed on grain. Um, and I'll say this, the other, the other, uh, thing I always hear, which is, grass-fed beef, when you talk about ethical slaughter, oh, well, they lived a happy life, they got to eat all the grass, and you know that uh, there's no problem with grass-fed beef. Like, I hate factory farming, I agree, but I only eat grass-fed beef, and it's like, okay, well, first of all, you still kill them, okay, which is not cool. It's not Mm. cool. Either way, you're still killing something when, in fact, you have the choice not to go have a nice slice of tofu. Give Mm. me a break. But at the other part, f- only 4% of the beef in the United States is grass-fed. It, it's, mm. it's not something that these people think that grass-fed beef is going to be able to be scaled up. Mm. Uh, there is not enough land in the world to grass-feed the beef that we currently consume. There's mm. not. There's not. Yeah. And uh, there's another... Yeah. Uh, argument that comes flying around but yeah the 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 religious yeah. people calling even, us even the, religious even the grass nuts fed. yeah even the grass-fed isn't grass-fed is it so the argument of oh i only eat grass-fed there's they're classed as grass-fed if they're fed for something like 20 or 30 percent of their life with grass and also hay is classed as grass you know they think it's pure pasture and they're getting fed this hay in you know at a certain point in their life i don't know if it's the the end or the start and then they're just grain fed and people say mm-hmm. oh i eat, i eat, you know i eat grass fed beef as though it's better or or, or whatever what's that no okay let's just say you're you're on your local farm and you eat what you think is is a you know a, a grass fed cow but then you also go on holiday you also travel you also stop off at service stations you also go out for meals you also do all these other things so to use that excuse oh i only eat grass-fed number one it's not grass-fed it's partly grass-fed number two it's probably hay that it's fed and number three 
you don't just sit in your house forever do you? you you go places you you eat at different places so again that's that's got no legs and like you said you're still killing a cow when he doesn't want to die right. <laughs> that should have been number one <laughs> that for us that's so. number one too it's like every time they i had got an argument the other day with some carnivores and stuff and they say they were trying to argue with me whether or not saturated fat was healthy or not now, the consensus is that saturated fat's bad for you, and there's a lot of uh, information that says it, it increases inflammation. Now, there are some studies that say saturated fat's good for you. And I said, and I, you know, I say, I believe that it's bad for me, but at the end of the day, if you believe saturated fat's good for you, that's fine, but it, it doesn't matter because I still don't want to kill an animal. So at the basis of all these health questions and environmental questions, well, the rainwater and the blah, 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 uh, I don't want to kill an animal. And I, I don't really see what the problem is with that. The other thing is uh, you, you brought up the point of uh, the way they lie. They'll say, well, yeah, they can put grass fed on the label because legally that he was fed grass like once uh, at one point in their life. The same with free range chickens. The, instead of you hear the... Uh, you hear the phrase free-range chicken, you think, oh, well, they're out on the pasture. They're all running around. They're having a ball. Uh, in reality, what they are, they're still in barns, but they're just not locked into these cages with their you know, necks in a feeder, you know, um, that they're just sort of running around in a dark barn by themselves, uh, totally overpopulated, stepping on each other, while, you know, eating each other's dead uh, corpses. Uh, it's just whatever they can legally get away with labeling it because grass-fed, free-range, these are marketing terms to make the consumer feel better. And right there, it gives you the impression that deep down, even though people fight us constantly and are constantly defensive about it, it gives you the impression that if people really knew and if people really saw and if, and if, and if the majority was on board, that the world would go fucking vegan in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Because mm. we do have empathy. A lot of people need religion and, and spirituality in order to do the right thing. But the majority of us, I think, we know what the right thing is to do as long as it's put in front of us in a simple way where we can say, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. But when it's obfuscated through societal norms and propaganda and they're blasting a meat smoke wind out of the top of the mcdonald's is blowing down the street and it's getting everybody super hungry and you're manipulating uh the people in into continuing this barbaric sort of archaic outdated dieting thing then yeah again we can't get our vegan revolution we can't get a foothold in there um so Talking we got a long smell. way to go there's my local, my local uh, shopping centre, a couple of miles away, uh, they, they do a hog roast inside the mall, right in the, right in the main bit where people are walking through. And it stinks for, uh, I think I, I was probably about 500 metres away, uh, round the corner and up the other end of the shopping centre. And I could smell this, this, this pig. And there's people queuing up for this dead pig. And people are walking past going, oh, smell that, you know, that, that smell, that lovely smell. And I'm thinking, how, I can't even, like, how many times do we relate it to a dog? If it was a dog yeah. and someone knew that that smell of that dog was the dog and not a pig, and it might smell good to them, but if they knew it was a dog, they would be horrified. How can they, how can they, how can they have such a strong belief 
over the the, the, well, the smell of a dead pig compared to that of a, of a cat or a dog. It's just oh. well, this is the this is what I like to think of as you know uh, on top of your. Uh, in your brain, you have your, your frontal brain, which is like the mammalian brain, and then below that, you have the reptilian brain, which is primitive. It's a primitive thing. So a lot of people can't think past that primitive part of their brain, the reptilian brain, and they say, uh, when they smell it, that's really all they need. Um, I, I'm really surprised at humanity that there's just not more like blatant just gang rape constantly because of how uh, reptilian brain most people are. So when they queue up to, for for a dead pig... They don't think about the fact that that pig was smart, smarter than a dog or, you know, had a family or wanted to live or anything like that. All they do is they smell the thing and they drool and they say, I want that thing in my mouth and in my belly. It's this primitive reaction. Civilization mm. is predicated on how well we can circumvent our own primitive impulses. That's what makes us be able to walk around upright and wear fancy clothes and not gang rape each other is the fact that we have <laughs> tried, you know, to create laws and rules and tell each other, no, no, we shouldn't do that uh, because we're civilized and we shouldn't act on our primitive impulses because we're civilized and stuff. And we do make progress throughout the, uh, the course of humanity and stuff, but at the same time, we're still... We went from slavery, we got rid of slavery, that's great, but we didn't get rid of eating meat yet. And I think, honestly, it's just a matter of time, but we're, we're just, it's such a slow process to get people to circumvent your reptilian brain, try to, you know, avoid these primitive impulses as often as you can. Acknowledge them when they come up. Try to understand what they are. See if you can go without. You know, beating, for me, beating addiction was one of the ways that also helped me circumvent my reptilian brain. My reptilian brain wanted me to continue to smoke cigarettes and loaf around and, you know, get wasted all the time or or whatever. And, and eat meat, eat fast food, drink gallons and gallons of Dr. Pepper and... Um, and it's not until you break with those things and become completely miserable because you're coming down from an addiction. It's not until you do that, then you really are sharp and disciplined and are able to. And then so when veganism came along, I was ready. I was ready because I had good practice circumventing my reptilian brain and saying, no, no, no. I can do this. I can live without X, Y, or Z. Let's, let's do it. A sh give it a shot because I would hate to have somebody else feel as terrible as I do right now. And that was it, man. It was just, nice. it's a no-brainer. And any kind of addiction that someone beats, it's uh, it's respect from me. I mean, I've, but I've seen people that have been addicted to gambling, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, yeah. like in your instance. And there must just be yeah. something, I mean, I've been lucky, really. I think I've, I've just never been addicted, but I've seen addiction and I'm glad it was only a cigarette addiction and not um, nothing like You don't have a fitness addiction? That's a good point, actually. Uh, maybe I do. Maybe, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah, no. it makes me feel good. Cigarettes made you feel good. Um, maybe... Maybe you're right, man. Maybe it's a good no. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not bad. It's a good yeah. habit. It's a good addiction, and it, you need exercise to live. And you're also bulking up, so if anybody ever gives you any lip, you can give them what for. That's that's good. 
But uh, I people that uh, have certain, I don't know, fitness maybe not, but people that smoke and drink and stuff, it's usually past trauma. It's trauma dealing with uh, the world you live in, et cetera, et cetera. This is what gives birth to these uh, addictive sort of personalities. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even when I was a big drinker, I don't think it was the it wasn't that alcohol that I, I was, you know, drawn to. It was the, the social environments that it put that I found myself in when I was drinking. I think I just loved being out and meeting people and drinking and doing this and that. Um, but now I'm, I'm glad that you uh, knocked it on there. Do, do you think that kind of put you on a, on a path of health? And is that what led you to, led you to veganism or? A little bit, you know, a little or, bit. It, or, it, well, it was all. There was a lot to it because when I lived in America, I was homeless for many years and I, I would hitchhike state to state and, and eat uh, junk food and play accordion at gas stations for money and, and live this, you know, dirty bohemian lifestyle and stuff. But I had no health care. I had no uh, concept of health. I had no social safety net. I had no home to go back to. I was on my own, out blowing in the wind. And so didn't matter. I was apathetic enough. I just keep smoking, drinking, whatever. Nothing mattered. I, I, I have this uh, strong feeling. The, where I get my confidence is knowing that I am not special and not unique and I don't matter no matter what. So I have no reason to be self-conscious. I'm just another dumb human walking around uh, the planet. But when I actually moved to Europe and I had social safety net and health insurance and and life started to improve in a lot of ways. Then I was able to cut out addictive substances. I was able to uh, start exercising for the first time in my life. I was started to be able to make these, these sacrifices. But also, you know, old age will do that to you. People who get older, your priorities change. And I understood that uh, there's no longevity in unhealthiness and I don't want to keel over at any time but uh, it was definitely tied into uh, love when you get love when somebody really loves you and my wife really loves me and I really found uh, uh, a relationship that I'm really happy to be in this I think if you want to know the secret um, I think that was one of the pivotal moments where my life took an entire 180, when I finally felt that somebody was patient and loving and understanding uh, through all my moods and all my quirks and quirks and, you know, foibles and all the things wrong with me. When somebody comes along and, and accepts you for who you are, then you can truly blossom into the pe- person that you've always wanted to be. And I've always cared about animals since I was a young, really young kid. I was very always very sensitive to that, but didn't have the the confidence or the wherewithal to go ahead and just put my money where my mouth w- was as far as eth- ethical things. And, uh, and I, th- I would say love. I would say love can conquer all and, and can change your life in an instant. So if all you people out there in a bad relationship, you know, maybe you should find someone that really loves you and you'll be able to, you know, I don't know, you'll be able to conquer the world. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Can't believe it took me till now to understand that you your podcast is the homeless romantic, and it's because you used to be homeless. Yeah, uh, that's, and, that's quite mad. That's, uh, and now, obviously, you found a better life in Germany. You've got the missus, and yeah. completely turned your life around. So I can't believe I've only just discovered that. So uh, <laughs> the quality story, man, really, really cool for you. Well, um, I, 
I'll tell all the listeners, too, I have an album out there that I recorded because I am a musician. I've been recording music for a long time. I wrote a, a series of songs that kind of talked about my trials and tribulations on the road and what I learned during that time. It's called Chris Jeffrey's Homeless Romantic. It's a music. If you're interested in sort of folk, jazz, country-style music, it's out there. Please give it a listen. Tell me what you think. Always hey, happy I like to... I love music as well, man. I like it. I'll give it a listen. I like... Uh... Like, I could have Elton John on, or I could have Eminem. So I'm. Uh, what do you? I have to ask you. What do you listen to when you're exercising? I usually listen to a podcast, which is quite weird. Huh. Because people usually put some heavy stuff on, but um, drum and bass, uh, hip hop, rap. Um, I'll put some garage beats on. Uh, anything really, man. I'm not too. I'm not too. Um, too th- what's it called with music? I've, I've got a, I've got a big library man on my on my spot. What's that guy? So. What's that guy's name? Goldie. He's one of your UK's best and brightest drum and bass guys. Goldie. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of these. I don't really know many artists. I don't know many actors. I don't really watch TV. I'm, I'm not really up to date with. Oh, you're not missing TV out. I'll tell you. Artists or anything like that. But yeah, I do. I do. I do, um, I do listen to kind of all things, but. Um, Right, that's what I was going to ask you about Germany. Obviously, we, we were going on to your life in Germany. Yeah, I read yesterday or the day before that Germany have allita- all- sorry allocated forty billion to the promotion of plant-based meat and dairy alternatives. Uh, just going off topic, that is. Thank God. What is going on? Have you heard about that? No, but yeah, yeah the, the, the government uh, the the. the Maybe this is the vegan propaganda that everyone's been waiting for. Maybe, maybe they are pushing it and they're starting in Germany. Um, propaganda or not, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. it. Well, yeah. you know, Germany, Germany has really become infamous. So Israel is the number one spot for vegans worldwide because for whatever reason, the religious um, issues with Judaism and eating fish or what, I don't know how they do it, but they have certain restrictions on what they can eat. So a lot of people in the country decided that it would just be easy to be vegan. Um, They're leading the parade as far as vegans go, but then Germany and the UK are both right behind them. And I never saw so much vegan food as I did when I came to Germany. Um, Plenty of tofu and everything like that. I know I've been here a long time now, but still it's like, I've read statistics that say um, most vegan-friendly, most vegan restaurants, most uh, availability of vegan food at the grocery store. Um, so the high, high number of vegans in Germany and increasing, of course, too. And I, th- I would ca- say that this is because they are also highly educated. They have free university and all free health care and stuff so that they have a little bit of the time to sit and think and decide – what they want to do and how do they do how do they be as ethical as they can or whatever um but on the other, on the other hand they also still have schnitzels and um a lot of meat eating and barbecues and you know a lot of chuds who are totally pro bratwurst and and stuff like that so yeah. but honestly i was totally shocked that um, germany is actually one of the leaders in vegan food so it doesn't surprise me that they're they're going the direction but also Everybody, the elitists, the WEF and the Klaus Schwab, um, there are people in government and are people and capitalists who I don't, I'm not crazy about. They are seeing 
that there's a market for it and also that there's a necessity for it for the greater good of humanity. And even Bill Gates, I don't like him. I don't like how much money he has. I don't like a lot of the things he does or represents. But when he says that plant-based diets could save the world, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's at least a positive, you know. Yeah. One way to predict the future is to see what billionaires are doing and Mil- uh, millionaires will think in years and billionaires will think in decades so there's a reason why Bill Gates and billionaires are investing in 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 something what they believe will be the future because otherwise they wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing it so like you I don't like Bill Gates um, I don't like any of the the world elites but there's a reason yeah. why he's doing it isn't that he, you know he's not you know he's not investing in KFC, is he? Or is he? I don't know. He's not investing right. in pizza. But, um, he's investing in something that he thinks is, is, is going to be the future. So it does look even, good, really. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, you know. Mm. Yeah. And and I even that. when I <laughs> yeah even when I hate the, the person, eventually they say something I, I'll agree with and stuff. But yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's not hard. And it's sad that we have to rely on billionaires to shape the, the future of humanity. And that's what they think. They And they, they pride themselves on being people who are intelligent and smart and powerful enough to do, to basically tell other people what to do. But in this, in the case of divesting from meat, well, of course, I mean, go again, go look at a cow being killed and tell me that that's something that uh, is ethical. It's not. Uh, and so... He is right for for doing stuff like that. But at the same time, this is why I go back to the capitalism thing, is we could have done it without them had we had a fair and equally balanced society where true propaganda, like real propaganda from the meat industry and like subsidized meat, if we would have been able to get rid of all that and, and we could have had honest debates, like Piers Morgan, he'll, you know... Just a disingenuous shithead that has doesn't let anybody talk, uh, uh, arguing and debating in the most disingenuous way, uh, on purpose because he represents corporate and business interests. If we could have avoided having him and Fox News and all these sort sort, sort of, uh, and, and we could have had no ag gag laws, you know, a true, honest, transparent, open society, then we would have been vegan. Uh, 50, 80 years ago. If someone comes up to you and says that you're only vegan because it's been pushed on you and you are to reply to them, what would you say? i just give them a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> right in the... Right in the kisser. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Uh, I don't condone violence, people. It's, but uh, no. All kidding aside, I would say, you know, let me bring up some animal cruelty on my phone and let me see if I can explain it to you. But it's funny you pose this question to me because this sort of happens to me every day on the internet. As somebody comes up to me and 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 tells me that I'm just trendy or I'm just you know this that or the other. Um, <laughs> I was concerned about the reasons why I was doing it at first when I started to, they, they say, 
I care about animals and I'll go vegan. I'll try veganism for that. But at the same time, I'm a little paranoid about my health. Am I going to get enough this? Am I getting enough that? And the more that I dug in and the more that I learned, the more I realized how stupid I was for not doing it earlier. And so when it comes to debating different concepts, capitalism, I'm debating Israel-Palestine conflict. I'm debating about all these different uh, political issues that are going on in the world. The veganism issue. It's the easiest thing to debate because the facts are so overwhelming, so overwhelming. Now, uh, with communism, you don't know. Communism has failed in the past. Maybe it's not so great. Socialism, do people have an incentive to work? I don't know. But capitalism is is exploitative. So I don't really have an answer. I don't have a political dogma on whether or not... um, Capitalism is the only way or, or whatever. But when it comes to veganism, it's the most sure bet that I've ever had to debate with somebody about. And I basically just chase them around with mountains and mountains of studies and logic and stuff until they finally say, well, God said that I can eat meat. And so it's up to God. And I go, oh, okay, well, if it's up to your invisible sky monkey to decide what's right and wrong, then I'll let you be because I can't really argue with somebody who believes in an invisible sky monkey who's omnipotent and, and ordains you, you know, the right to do whatever the fuck you want. Um, yeah. I can't argue with that. So Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll say, I just love meat. Yeah. That, and that. That's, I'll walk away from that. I'll walk away. I'll say, okay, you know what? I respect that. And there are tears. That's the thing is a lot of animal rights activists are also just like very, very uh, dogmatic about like saying vegetarians are worse than carnivores. I've heard actual animal rights, like really hardcore animal rights activists say vegetarians are as bad as or worse than carnivores. And, that's not, uh, guys, that's not, it's not true. It's, it's a spectrum. It's a tiered level of, well, you know, you eat, you eat meat. That's bad. Or you're eating less meat. Oh, that's a little better. Or you're eating grass fed meat. That's ethically. Okay. That's a little bit better. Or you don't eat, uh, meat, but you eat, still eat dairy. That's even better than that. Oh, you're vegan. Okay. Boom. You're at the top of the fucking, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Um, but then there are ethical considerations beyond that, like whether or not you, I don't know, eat candy or, you know, over-sterilize your house and kill all the microbes or, like, spray herbicides on plants in your yard, stuff like that. Um, also, vegetarianism leads to veganism, you know, in a, in, a, in a handful of situations, scenarios, whereas no one is ever going to be on the carnivore diet and go, oh, I think I'll have some asparagus. Tonight. Yeah. It's not going to happen, so... Yeah, to say to say that vegetarianism is worse than carnism is just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, they, yeah some people don't know. Some people just think they're doing the right thing. Some people just love cheese too much. But at least yeah. it's a, ste- a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's it's based out of an anger and, and hostility that vegans have, which I understand. But at the same time, the infighting and the uh, you know. The non-pragmatic way and dogmatic way of, of, of going after just anybody. If you go after your vegan friend because he was on vacation and he ate cheese, like, like Jane Goodall of the Jane Goodall Institute, she's a famous chimp researcher, wonderful human being, has, has basically taught us a lot about animals that we never knew. And one of the, and she's vegan 
except when she's traveling. If she goes to Africa, she eats what they eat. Now, a hardcore vegan would say, well, her, man, she's just a phony piece of sh-. No, it's like, you're not being pragmatic, you're not being practical, and you're not, you're being dogmatic. And we all need to sort of have that tiered understanding about, you know, well, that's okay, it's a little better, oh, that's better, and that's best, or whatever. It's like, pick your battles, people, because injustice is everywhere. And and perfection, when you talk about trying to be a perfectionist when it comes to alleviating suffering in the world, it's impossible. It's impossible to perfectly alleviate suffering. To live is to suffer, as the Buddha would say. So we cannot really do, but is that an excuse to just be apathetic? Well, I can't, you know, stop torturing everything or anybody, you know, so I shouldn't try. That's a lot of the excuses that you get. Well, if I can't... Just, just because you can't minimize all of it, it doesn't mean that you need to exploit some, does it? Right. It's, otherwise, that's, where, where does it end? You know, I could, <laughs> I could, that's the apathy. I could that's shooting, the apathy. I could go around shooting squirrels in the, in, in the local park and go, well, you know, you, you, you kill bugs or you, you, know, you eat cows, I can do this. You know I mean? So where, where does that end? Right. Right. And that's another thing is uh, society has made this arbitrary distinction that says, oh, we can slaughter billions of sentient animals as long as it's in factory farms and they come uh, in plastic and styrofoam in the, in the grocery stores. That's fine. But if you go to this park and start shooting squirrels, well, that's just sick and twisted. That's <laughs> weird. He's, he's a little deranged. I think that's one of the signs of a child is uh, psychopathic. They say, well, he tortures animals. He, mm-hmm. he gets his job. And yeah, that's true. But at the same time, you live in one of the most backwards, violent, racist, repressive societies uh, living amongst the most dangerous animal of all, which is human beings. Uh, that distinction is arbitrary. Not that you should go shoot squirrels, but at the same at the same time, you should just consider these things. Maybe don't mm-hmm. do any of it. And maybe mm-hmm. one day you meet a llama that you just don't like and you have to murder. Okay, fine. I mean, but mm-hmm. don't tell me that uh, one is uh, worse than the other or one of these. Uh, they're all bad. It's all bad. It's all suffering. It's all murder. It's all killing. It's all torture. It's all rape. It's all exploitation. Um, and you know what? To this day, we're sitting here talking on computer screens that I guarantee have some trace amounts of animal fat in them because they are uh, used, they need animal fat apparently to make stuff like phones and screens. I don't know if it's all phones or all screens, but I I, I heard this from somebody and I said, well, this has got to be bullshit. I looked it up and turned out to be true, Mm. but it's not, that's the, and, and people attack you with that. They say, well, don't you know that your shoes come from Bangladesh and that people are suffering? And it's like, yeah, I mean, is that an excuse no, sorry, to if, stop? Yeah, if, if, you'd stop, if you'd stop, you know, funding the, the torture of billions of animals, then their bones wouldn't exist. And then people would stop using the bones to make computer parts out of, so... So it, yeah. it's not like it's not it's not like you're crea- creating a demand for animal bones because you're buying <laughs> a laptop or a phone. It's because it's just yeah. so readily available. 
Yeah, crazy. it's the same same story with oil. Like oil is so plentiful and such a, a big deal that um, if you're against plastic bags, then you're also against Exxon Mobil. Or if you're against, you know, because it's this thing that when they discovered it, they decided to try to use it for everything. And now, because of that, they try to put it in everything when it's not even really necessary. And if we didn't have uh, oil anymore, and we stopped ext- extracting it, and we stopped using it for cars, chances are we would stop also producing plastic bags because it wouldn't be cost efficient to get the petroleum to make the plastic anymore. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. The bones are just laying around as a byproduct waiting to be used from the meat industry, and and technologists say, well, we can use this, So and it's cheap, So and it's waste, so we'll just and use it. I'd even, it, even argue that the, the dead animals would be happy for me to use a laptop to spread the message, to inform people of what's going on so that they're descendants don't go through the same the right. same uh, miserable existence you know what i mean so yeah and that's and that's the problem when people attack me with that thing they say well you know slaves are making your you know or there's animal products in your thing or there's slaves that make your computer or whatever and i say yeah and you're telling me that on your slave made machine or whatever uh, but at the end of the day is that what are you trying to tell me are you trying to tell me that well you're guilty of of suffering, so nothing matters. That's basically what they're saying. They're saying, because you're not perfect, then nothing matters, and that we should just kill and rape as many people and, and animals as we possibly can. This is an argument I constantly hear. Well, you know that you're doing that, and so and so what? So that means that you can do whatever you want? Uh, attempting to be a better person is one of the most... It's the fastest way to become a pariah in modern societies. Oh, you think you're so high and mighty because you're trying to be a better person. Well, fuck you. And let me point out all your all the things that you're doing wrong. It's like, not only are you on the same device made out of old chicken bones and slave labor, but you're also eating the chicken. You're eating the chicken and then the, the bones get create the... There's no good reason. And that's why... The future is vegan is because I've been up and down. I've taken a good look at the arguments and I realized, man, these people are all hopelessly full of shit. They are just, they don't have an argument to stand on. Yeah. Yeah. The the psychology fascinates me and I'm I'm the same as you. I'm always commenting, always debating, always, it's always there. You know what I mean? And the the more time goes on, I'm not saying, I'm not because. We used to eat meat, you know, we used to fund dairy. I'm not saying that everyone's stupid at all. I'm just saying, you know, some people, they don't want to accept change or they just don't understand what actually goes on. But I saw a quote the other day, someone commented, and they said, the more sadistic an anti-vegan eat might may be, the less stupid they are. The more stupid they are, the less sadistic they must be. It was like a scale of sadism and, and, and stupidity. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying everyone's stupid. I'm just saying it was a good way to put it because sometimes you just think, oh, you're obviously violent or you're barbaric or you don't give a shit about, you know, cruelty and things like that. Yeah. And some people are genuinely just stupid-minded and they just say stupid things. And so where where are you on that scale? Quite, yeah. quite an interesting comparison. I've they, heard and, before. 
Yeah, and they don't, um, a lot of people have the mentality of a teenager, like a teenage boy. Like when we were young, we probably did stupid shit and caused trouble or whatever without thinking about who we might have been affecting and stuff like that. And teenage boys are really the most prone to doing like horrible criminal sort of unempathetic things. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, the, uh, I see that with the reaction when you can go, when these animal rights activists sit in the town square and they show videos of, of, of people being murdered and people, uh, animals being killed and they just, people come up and they act like teenage boys. Their reaction is that of teenage boys is because they're not in a position in their life to want to think about this. And so it's just. It's just like right over their head. And so when they say the things that they say, uh, they don't, they are not really internalizing the suffering and the, the pain and, and the stuff like this behind it. They're yeah. letting it go in one ear and out the other. And they're saying, they're basically saying, man, don't tell me to change. I don't want to change. Uh, and, and the ones that fight the most are the ones who, have the pull inside them that tells them, look, motherfucker, you know this is wrong, but at the same time, it's too inconvenient. I'm not in a place in my life right now where I can make change. Uh, so I'm going to do all these mental gymnastics to try to tell myself and tell these other people that, that you're wrong. You're in a cult. You're a nut. Um, and, and you're high and mighty. You think you're so high and mighty. Uh, and I had even a, a trans person, which I'm all for trans rights and everything, but I had actually gotten an argument with this person because they want trans rights and they're anti-capitalist again. And they said, they came up with the excuse again. It was, uh, you need to check your privilege. Not everybody can afford to be vegan. And an Oxford study and various studies have already proven, and anybody that goes to the grocery store can do their own study and prove tofu, beans, ridiculously cheap, Compared to meat, you know, and that's even after they subsidize the meat. Beans are still unbelievably exactly. cheap. Chris, I produce um, vegan meals as a job, as a living, and I know down to the penny what it costs to produce each meal, and it does not cost a lot of money at all. Um, and I said and people want want me to drop the prices, but um, we'll just call it packaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the shelf life too. They should talk about the shelf life of beans. It's just uh, there's no there's no. It's it's amazing. I go back to how revolutionary beans are. You know, if meat, if you leave meat out for just a little while, it goes bad. It gets parasites. It'll have worms crawling in it. It'll turn green. It'll make you violently sick. It'll stink to high heaven. Bean, dry beans, they just sit there. They sit there. They don't do anything. They don't get parasites. They don't, you know, beans, the magical fruit. Um, that'll, that'll lead us nicely onto your daily food intake. What do you eat, Chris, before we leave? What? I'll okay. You, beans. you love beans. How did you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's see everybody out there. So I'll tell you a couple of my favorite recipes right off the bat. So I love to do a stir fry. I'll take some tofu, cut it up into nice little cubes, throw it in some oil, turmeric, a uh, little chili, a little cayenne pepper, throw it in the oven, okay, uh, instead of frying it because it's a bit healthier. Uh, sometimes I'll fry it if I'm feeling a little devilish. Uh, but I'll throw it in the oven, let it cook, maybe with some sweet potatoes, and then in a pan, roast some, you know, onions, garlic, all that good stuff, good starter, uh, cook some rice on the side, and then at the end, 
uh, sort of throw it all in the frying pan. I'll have the vegetables, rice, tofu, throw it all together, take some chili, some oil. I'll put some chili flakes in the oil, a little lime juice, a little soy sauce, make a nice little, you know, kind of sweet and sour kind of sauce. Put a little honey, uh, yeah, put a little, uh, what do you call it, the uh, the stuff that comes from the tree, uh, tree sap. Uh, what am I talking about here? Uh Maple syrup, sorry. Maple, maple syrup, slip, yeah. slip my mind. Um, put a little bit of that in there, throw it in there, boom, you got yourself a nice sweet and sour. That happens a lot of days of the week. The other days of the week we do beans, tortillas, salad, uh, quinoa. And this is a powerhouse meal, just completely powerhouse. Kidney beans, black beans, um, wrap it up in a thing. If I have cilantro, onions, uh, corn, I, I do mix it an awesome, delicious, one of my favorite meals. Uh, I'll do a vegan pizza. I'll make a nice wheat-based dough, let it uh, ferment all day, sort of get the yeast in there and make a big ball of dough, and then I'll I'll do my tomato sauce, and then I'll put leek, onion, olives, whatever, whatever you guys like, put it on the pizza. And then the kicker is, for all you vegans out there, you might love this, cashew cheese. I'll take some cashews, boil them down, Get them nice and soft, and then I'll add garlic, lime juice, salt, and some plant milk. A little bit of plant milk, and if it's and if the thickness isn't right, I'll put a little start cornstarch in there. Uh, so you end up with this really high protein, garlicky sauce, and I pour that on the pizza. And when it comes out, it's just like pizzeria pizza. It's it's wonderful. Oh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Uh, wow. And uh, and that's and that's one of the staples around here. And I, I'll give you one more recipe. Uh, let me think about what is, what I have a favorite. Oh, falafel, great, great way to go. Falafel, right? You get yourself some flatbread. Uh, we get the stuff prepackaged. It's chickpeas, chickpea flour. You 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 put add water. It becomes a solid mass. You make little balls out of it. Toss that in the fryer or in the oven. Um, and then you make a baba ganoush with a uh, roasted eggplant. Uh, put a little oil on that. I, I usually add some smoked paprika in my baba ganoush. I don't do it, you know, authentic style or anything. But it's wonderful. And hummus, you add that in the mix. Um, and between all these four meals and then occasionally we, I, I know we, I, I can't think of anything else, but we do cook other stuff. These are getting me by and I'm every day I'm salivating thinking about my wonderful delicious vegan food that I'm gonna I'm gonna eat you know yeah yeah sounds beautiful yeah because a lot of people will ask you I know do you, you must miss meat you must be how can you miss meat when you're cooking such a variety of different foods and different colors and flavors and spices and herbs and all yeah. these new things and you've just inspired me actually to do the the eggplant um what's it called the baba canoche Baba ganoush. I'm gonna to have to get Baba ganoush. I say papa papa ganoush, like it's a person or something. But yeah, it's just yeah, like papa, a pa- yeah, yeah. A eggplant paste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just inspired me, man. Right, it all sounds beautiful, and uh, oh, it's, it's made me miss cooking for myself because I'm always cooking for the business, and uh, <laughs> all my meals are quick and simple and easy. So it's given me a bit of inspiration. But um, and I want I want to thank you for having me on your show, but also thank you for everything you do because you're an inspiration to me because. A, you're running a vegan restaurant, which running I a restaurant was, is very. Uh, oh, you were, but yeah, I've moved to um, cold food now, so I'm just working from like a small kitchen and just doing 
deliveries, but yeah, thank you. Wow, you did Stellar. Come on, it's a restaurant of some yeah. kind, right? <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. You put your money where your mouth is. You go out there and you you are spreading the word through people's taste buds. I respect you so much. The other reason I really respect you is because you're an, you're you kick ass. You're always training. You're always doing fitness. You kick kickbox boxing all that stuff you're one of these tough guy vegans we need you we need you so bad because everybody thinks that vegans look like me and which you know i'm not <laughs> a big guy come on um and then on top of it uh, you you do this podcast and uh you're just like the you're an inspiration to me man i just appreciate you so much thank you chris yeah you too man i mean yeah i'm 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 doing what i can and putting that message out there that you know you can you can be quite bulky, you can be fit, you can be healthy, and that's my form of activism, I suppose. So appreciate the words, man. You too. Constantly constantly listening to your debates, man. And I'm loving any any kind of argument you get in, just just tag me, man, and I'll be there. <laughs> oh really? Okay, okay yeah, good to know because I need an army. <laughs> Are you on Twitter? Oh man, yeah, tag me. Uh I am, but only for the only for for screenshots of quotes, basically, but I will okay. I will be there. Right. So just give us a follow, mate. And it's good to see your podcast growing, man. It's definitely gained a couple of thousand since uh, since we last spoke, man. So yeah, well done on that front. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes, absolutely. Cheers, Chris. It's been good to see you again, man. And uh, any advice that you need, if you do, you know, decide to start training, um, obviously you're busy. But if you do, drop us a message and. Uh, no. give you any info I that might. you might need. I might. I might. I run into so many people that deserve a knuckle sandwich. I'd like to have, be able to be well-equipped. Yeah, a couple of months, man. You <laughs> get that technique right and uh, you'll be well away. <laughs> nice one, Chris. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Signing off I'll to everybody to out there. Thanks, everybody. Cheers, Chris. See you, mate.